0: Howdy dream, cowboys. Today we're traveling back to 1973 to take a look at the original Westworld movie written and directed by Michael Crichton. We'll be doing a scene-by-scene scene recap, plus a full review. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast Alright, so I haven't seen this movie since I was probably 17 years old, and I, and I think you said you never saw it before at all. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've never been introduced to the world that is Westworld prior to this. But it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. I really enjoy it, and uh, I think it's got a lot to say about our capitalist consumer culture, and uh, you know, what it means to be human, what it means to be a slave. I think it's a really smart movie. Yeah, it was absolutely or it it felt like it was something great before its time. Like if it had come out in 1985, everybody would be talking about it for the rest of the, and you know, it is a movie that while you look into it more on the internet, turns out to be like bigger in the zeitgeist than you thought it was because, you know, it's the movie that Arnold Schwarzenegger based uh how he was going to play Terminator off of It's basically if anybody played a robot within the next 30 years after this movie, they based it off this movie from a first time director who had just written a book two years beforehand and was trying his best and, you know, made what is going to be the backbone for this television show, which is this movie. If you haven't seen Westworld, go and watch it now before you listen to the rest of this because we are about to spoil the entire thing. Or just you know, don't <laughs> just 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 listen to our review and just have that be fine, okay? Actually, yeah. I take it back. You should watch it, I guess. Well, if you don't care, I mean, it's no skin off our back. We'll just spoil it for you. Yeah, do whatever you want. You know. Okay, let's do this. So, sometime in the non-specific future. Uh, uh, a a highly technologically advanced future that still looks like the 1970s and TV reporters act like they're in the 1970s. Right, like there's a bunch of stuff different, but it's still the 70s. Yeah, maybe it's an alternate timeline in the 1970s, but they never state the year, which I always like for a science fiction movie to do. Otherwise, like Back to the Future, you get to 2015 and you immediately date yourself because 2015, uh, in a 1985 perspective... Uh, looks cheesy as hell. Yeah, just put yourself as a science fiction movie within the ether. You're you're everywhere and nowhere at the same time. International Entertainment Corporation Delos has created a massive amusement park split into three zones, known as Western World, Roman World, and Medieval World. At the beginning, we see people coming out of those worlds and a reporter talking to them immediately and there's this uh man named Gardner Lewis who is super annoying but he sure did give us all the exposition to let us know what West World is and or what all of the worlds are because I actually w- was completely surprised that there was a medieval world or a roman world I had never heard of those two other worlds within um Within, because I had never obviously seen this movie, and they're I don't believe going to be a part of the new television series, although that'd be interesting. But from the trailer, you don't get that. So that was the first I've heard of two other worlds happening simultaneously next to Westworld, and all the people coming out were very excited. There was a man named Gardner Lewis who was very annoying, but he did uh for sure tell us all of the exposition we needed to know. There was a lady who had just been to Roman World. And when asked what she was doing, she was like, well, but, like, what she was definitely doing was uh, banging a bunch of um, dude whores in Roman world. That, like, from the moment she smiled, you're like, she, she was banging. Uh, and then, oh, the guy, there was that sheriff. He's like, I've been the sheriff at Westworld for the last two weeks. He loves being the sheriff. Yeah, this is basically live-action role play. Made mainstream and made actually pretty awesome through the use of robot technology. Like this is yeah. this this is a form of larping. I'd be happy to do. This is larping with uh, plot holes. Yeah, but uh, this is larping where the the people you're attacking aren't just like your friends dressed up in a different costume every day. Like they're robots, which completely. Pass for human in every way except for one very specific way their hands. Their hands look like fleshy man gloves. Which I get. You know, you need a way for movie purposes to tell between robots and human beings. And now I wonder will there be a way to tell between robots and human beings in the new show? Or, and will it be hands? Like, what if there is a way? to tell the difference will they stick with hands as a callback to the movie or will they choose something new so at the end of the delos commercial we get to hear their fabulous tagline delos boy have we got a vacation for you i hope that doesn't Uh, make it into the hbo version i want to be in that meeting where they're where we need a new tagline, guys. Come on! We're all coming up with the same thing. Dave, what do you got? Um, Westworld, it's great. That sucks, Dave. You're the worst, Dave. Julie, what do you got? Boy, have we got a vacation for you. Julie, you're a genius. Yeah, fantastic. You know, it sounds like something your 85-year-old grandfather would say. You know, that guy, he has some good points. We see our main characters on a hovercraft On their way to, like, LARP Island, where the three amusement parks are. So, yeah, on the hovercraft, we get introduced to who are most likely going to be our two main characters. Uh, Peter Martin, played by Richard Benjamin, as well as John Blaine, the calm, cool, and collected, he's so cool guy, played by uh, James Brolin, who just looks like he should be a cowboy. There's nothing in this world that James Brolin should up, should be other than a super cool cowboy. Yeah, and he's father to uh, modern-day actor Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, who will very soon be Thanos in the Marvel series and has done many other things. But um, personally, I knew James Brolin as an actor prior to this just because he was Robert Ritchie in the Western My favorite TV show. And uh, he plays a Republican who gets his butt beat down by uh, President Jed Bartlett. But either way, um, when you see these two guys going, first of all, my first thought was Peter looks like our everyday man who I'm afraid for his life. I love the 70s mustache, though. It's very, uh, very iconic. His mustache is so good. But he does have that face of, like, I'm afraid, but also excited. Yeah, and meanwhile, this is this must be what a cool tough guy looked like in the 1970s, because James Brolin is. I I swear to God, when they were setting up Star Wars, George Lucas is like, "All right, uh, Harrison, I just want you to be. I want you to be James Brolin from Westworld. Can you do that?" And he was like, "James Brolin is too expensive for us." You're the poor man, James Brolin. Thanks. So we're going to cut your hair the exact same way, and you're going to more or less dress the exact same way. Listen, I, it worked both times. <laughs> so we also see some other people heading to Westworld. We get a few recurring side characters. Like, there's this older married couple, kind of like a dumpy, nerdy husband with his better-looking wife, and the husband's actually got a ticket to go to Western World. But his wife's going to Roman World to get in on some of that orgy action. Yeah, no, she knows exactly what she's doing. And then Dude with Glasses, I was just calling him Dude with Glasses the entire time. My first thought on Dude with Glasses was, oh, Dude with Glasses is gonna die. So we should mention that it's not a cheap vacation, you guys. Even in 1973, it's $1,000 a day right which is to really let people know that inside these places most of the people you come across are going to be robots because for the sheer fact of like it's so expensive that there are not a lot of people in these worlds at any given time like and also how many other human beings did they come across during this movie who weren't Uh, who didn't come with them, like, on the hovercraft. Were there any? I don't even remember if there were. Right, that's a great point. It kind of seems to me like guests cycle in and out. Like, you pay for a certain period, everyone comes and leaves together, possibly. It's not well explained. It's not well explained at all, no. But, you know, did I need it to be better explained? Yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) But here's the thing. I don't go on any like holiday that's not going to be at least a three-day weekend or something and three thousand dollars for three days is a nightmare plus inflation that was in seven uh so yeah let's see that was back in the 73 um i'm not gonna pretend i can do that math in my head but it's more yeah today it would probably be like three or four thousand dollars a day to go to western world yeah that's a com- uh sure whatever whatever number you said after the hovercraft lands, they kind of, they, they strip off their 1973 clothes and put on their 1845 clothes. And everyone's kind of decked out in cowboy gear. There's a funny little aside where Peter's saying to John, he's like, you know, do I get, do I get uh, the holster that I like and the bandolier that I like? And John's like, yeah, man, you can dress however you want. That's not the important part. It was a montage. It was a get dressed montage like ten minutes into the movie and I was delighted because there's nothing more you want in a Western than let's get dressed montage. Um plus uh right before the craft landed, uh Peter andor John Blaine, I believe it was John Blaine, who said that uh the people who built this park spared no expense, a line that I think a lot of people will remember from Jurassic Park as something also written by Michael Crichton. Um But yeah, the music choice during the montage was so perfect. It was just some good old dress like a cowboy time. And then you see the guy, like, after John Blaine walks out, and Peter walks out after being like, can I get the holster? And then I I also want to wear the hat that I want. And also, are are these robots? He has so many questions. And John Blaine's like, stop asking questions and start having a good time. Like, that feeling. And then right after they walk out, dude in glasses walks out. And I reiterated to myself out loud, boy, that guy is going to die. So it seems like all the guests arrive at the Westworld Town Inn. Westworld itself is comprised of a small frontier town with a giant outlying desert. And in the center of town is a big old-fashioned cowboy inn, which Peter at first thinks is kind of like run down and dumpy. He's like, wow, we're staying here. I paid $1,000 a day to stay here. But John points out, you know, this is what frontier times are like, alright? We're paying for the authenticity, we're not paying for the luxury. Yeah, and it, they, I don't think it was very much, or very well explained how good of friends these two guys were in the first ten minutes. Because they have a conversation where Peter talks about, like, his wife or his ex-wife, maybe, and and how all of his life is going wrong. And You have to ask yourself the question, like, how did these two guys become best friends? Like, they are so odd couple in that way. Like John is so cool and Peter and not Peter. Richard Yeah, Peter. Played by Richard Benjamin. Peter is so not cool. Like John Blaine smokes. That's how cool he is. Yeah, I've gotta think like maybe they're in the same circle of friends, but they're the only two guys that could afford to go to Westworld. Yeah, you know? they just have the two best jobs. Uh, right afterwards, though, they finally and immediately Find the saloon with of the course, push doors. Of course, you're stores. on vacation, you gotta go day drinking. You have to go to the saloon with the push doors that are creaky as you walk in. That is Western etiquette. He tries to order like a dry martini on the rocks with an olive, and the cowboy bartender's like, What? Yeah, and well, so I knew the moment they walked to the bar and the bartender was cleaning a cup, which I was like, Oh, perfect. He had to be cleaning. If he wasn't cleaning a cup this, I was just going to turn the movie off. Um, John Blaine gets a whiskey and the moment he gets a whiskey, I was like Peter's going to ask for something stupid and then afterwards John's going to be like give him a whiskey. He's new around here. And that's exactly what happened. Right, I'm surprised John didn't walk in like, can I get a Jose Cuervo Appletini? Yeah. We're all very eccentric. They have maybe been drinking for like 15 seconds when the gunslinger, played by Joel Brenner, enters the bar and immediately picks a fight with the mousy Peter. Yeah, like, I guess that's his programming as the ultimate bad guy robot. His programming is to immediately find a guest and start a fight with him so that he can get shot. But he was just being mean. Like, I mean, when Peter tried to put the uh, whiskey in his mouth, he failed uh and like coughed all over himself to which uh Yule Brenner's gunslinger said something to the effect of, you know, can you get this guy a bib, slash uh perhaps call his mother, slash so on and so forth, basically just trying to start a gunfight, to which John Blaine was like, You you just shoot him. He's he's being mean, so shoot him. Right. And even though the gunslinger himself is made up to look like this huge badass When they actually draw and fight, Peter, who's never probably held a gun in his life, just blows away the gunslinger instantly, lands like three perfect shots on him before uh, the gunslinger's gun has even cleared leather, before he can even draw it fully, he's like dead on the ground. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like the gunslinger, whose name is literally the gunslinger, would be faster at pulling his gun. But obviously, you can't let all the parks uh patrons lose, so when they pulled the gun, Peter like pulls it at a normal pace, and Yule brenner's gunslinger like he like like he's trying to pull his gun out, but it's stuck or something like, he just something awful goes wrong to let him get shot three times every day, and oh, as he's getting shot. John Blaine jumps over the bar, like completely jumps over the bar, and then right when the gun, uh, gunfight is done, John Blaine stands up and is instantly smoking again. Do you know why that is, James? Why? Do you know that? why that is? Why? Because he's so cool. <laughs> Classic cool. Later that night, they're eating dinner with the other tenants of the inn and the robot family that runs the inn, and they're like, "So you know, where can a man uh, have some fun around here?" And one of the robots recommends the local bordello which uh, offends the old lady robot which i enjoyed that exchange yeah she was like don't talk about a brothel at my table somebody mentions someone named miss carrie which oh my god now that i say that out loud i i wonder if that has any more meaning than it is supposed either way now that um miss carrie is the is the lady who owns the brothel and after uh the robot who is putting on the dinner is like don't talk about that Peter immediately turns to John who's like, who's Miss Carey?" And I was like, oh, boy wants to bone. Yeah, now we see the reason why John is such a big fan of Westworld and why he's a repeat customer. He loves the uh, robot. He loves him some robot horse. Uh, so are these three worlds just uh, whorehouses with some frills? Like, that's what it feels like. It feels like it's just like a place to go and have sex with a robot. And I, and like between that, you do some other fun stuff but really, it's to have sex with robots. As they get there and the robot madam introduces her robot girls, a uh, shootout breaks out across the street and Peter wants to check it out but John's like, "No, nah, man, we got these robot girls to to bed down. We don't have time for, to have fun. We're just here to to, you know, for these thousand dollar sex toys basically and the i learned later the the uh the bank robbery was a scene that was shot but cut apparently the cut at the end of uh this movie the first edit was really really long as uh what happens a lot to first-time directors that michael creighton was when he was making this thing so they did we were supposed to see the bank robbery but uh, when they cut it out their solution was just like no 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 just say that we're boning and everything will be fine. Just just while this entire scene's happening, we're going to hear gunshots from across the street that we're going to stop referencing at some point. So we get a little hanky-panky action between Peter and his robot date. We get our first, like, little creepy robot thing where once he's, like, no longer really looking her in the eyes, she kind of takes on a vacant blank stare as he's kind of, like, you know, going at it yeah it kind of looks like for a moment like when he's kind of when he is uh when he has finished and is kind of drawn over her, her eyes open completely like she's uploading or something um I mean, something that if if we were in the act of coitus and it happened, it would freak me out, so I'm glad that it happened for for Peter's sake that it happened after although he doesn't see it. I wish he did see it to be like oh. You are very much a robot because before they started getting into it, he was like, "Uh, you know, I we've never met." If you know what I mean, uh, he was very obviously like still thinking about his wife, and then so quickly he's like, uh, "Never mind, let's let's just do this." To which, uh, you believe or you figure out it was probably a bad idea, and or the future is about to be bad for some reason because this lady. Who eye uploads also all the robots have a gleam in their eye yes i believe they all have that gleam in their eye which actually i learned was ac- they were real contacts okay that's interesting yeah. so after uh the deed is done Gross. peter and J- peter and john meet back up and peter says to john he's like wow man western world is a lot of fun and the face he makes and the way that he delivers that line, like, totally made me cringe. I don't know about you. Yeah, he was just like, I sure am glad we came to this whorehouse. And uh John Blaine said, uh, John Blaine has a line that he said literally like, Machines are the servants of man. <laughs> They're just so psyched to be fucking. At night, when all the patrons are sleeping, that's when the kind of tech crew or delos corporation comes out collects any dead broken or malfunctioning robots takes them underground to the catacombs where they kind of run diagnostic checks repair any parts of them that have been hit by bullets and uh kind of get them ready to send them back out for the next day right i, I didn't see them as the tech crew. it kind of felt like they were just the janitors who drive around and then they pick up like a robotic horse like it's nothing so apparently the horse does not weigh what it's supposed to weigh um and then the janitors drop them off at the at the technical lab where you i guess first get to meet or not really first get to meet but like get to know better the guy who's like the head of the tech department um i was sort of waiting to find to meet god like an anthony hopkins type character but you really don't ever get to the more the most you get is the head tech guy who when all of these robots come in from all three worlds he's just told of a you know there have been malfunctions and then something that is sort of like a disease and uh everybody reacts to him saying that as like you're sound that sounds stupid you're stupid for saying that and he makes the point of like you know some of these computers and robots were designed by other computers we don't actually know how they work, um at that point, you kind of get the feeling of, like it's the first time someone has mentioned something that sounds like a computer virus that is what it, that it, it turns out to be what is affecting these worlds, and you're like I, ho- I I hope someone elaborates upon that later, and then they never do I like the actor Alan Oppenheimer, who's playing the chief supervisor, but like you said, when all the technicians are kind of having their meeting, we never get a reason why there's this virus spreading around the park it just kind of is and you would think the most high-tech sophisticated like robotics experience on earth would have some kind of troubleshooting process to to keep their stuff in line but instead they're just kind of like oh i guess we have to just pull them in routinely wipe them and get them you know uh default factory settings every now and then yeah and they go through the same thing that happens in jurassic park where uh, the tech people kind of have an inkling that things are going wrong and things might get worse and then someone brings up should we shut the park down and they have the same conversation they do in Jurassic Park where it's like if we shut the park down then that will ruin the trust that our customers have like what will the customers think if we shut down they'll assume that we've done something wrong and then they might not come back so we can't just shut the park down Um, although in this movie, it does that turn happens faster from we can't just shut the park down to okay we have to shut the park down. But I really did like they showed the tech room and they showed what they believed personal computers would look like in the future, uh, which they were small and had really tiny screens, well small screens, but they were gigantic. Um, yeah, and and you just get a sense at the end of this that all these people on the board sitting in a room um like money more than they like people's safety but also like that that turns around so quickly I, I, either way it it goes from that back to westworld where glasses wakes up next to a lady yeah the nerdy dude who came with his wife originally seems to be having a pretty good time himself he wakes up next to a woman that initially looks shocked but then he kind of gets his oh Oh, yeah. He looks so jazzed about it He's like, ha ha, I did this And I'm sure it was just because of my physical prowess Meanwhile, John is shaven with a straight razor While Peter's bathing in a big wash tub. When the gunslinger just kind of casually walks into the inn And begins to hold up John John, who then puts his hands up as if he's in some kind of danger But he's actually not We should explain how the guns work in Westworld and why john is actually in no real danger yeah so the guns have a i don't know like a chip inside them or something that reads body heat so if you point the gun at something that has body heat it will not fire um which is the which is the safety that they've uh put in in westworld but what they've never explained was like in roman world they have uh daggers and knives And those can't have, like, a chip in them to to have body heat. How are people not stabbing each other in Roman world constantly or in medieval world constantly? Like, Westworld is the only place where you can make the gun stop shooting at certain people and or, you know, not just whoever isn't a robot and it makes it fine. But uh, that's one of the plot holes in this movie where you're like, knives don't do that. So, yeah, it makes you wonder if no one in medieval world has ever, like, tripped falling down the stairs while they're holding their broadsword or something, you know? Yeah, like, they've definitely... Someone has definitely gotten stabbed there. To tell me that nobody has gotten stabbed in Roman world, a place where stabbing is, like, the thing to do. That's insane. Yeah, in more ways than one. Oh! Hey, <laughs> you, you did it. The Gunslinger is holding up John. John's acting like there's a real threat here so he puts his hands up i think he's just larping he's just having a good time he's like okay oh the robot's holding me up i better i better act scared right but it does feel a little odd it feels because you kind of get the sense that um all the things in the park are kind of supposed to happen after everyone gets ready and has breakfast and then the things like that are supposed to happen um so it does come as a bit of a surprise although it it all works out because peter is walking back from cleansing himself in the bathtub hears the gunslinger in the room and he's in the uh like the hallway and a woman comes out from behind him and from another room and is like what are you doing <laughs> to which uh peter completely ignores her kicks in the door and goes like total ape shit on the gunslinger yeah he shoots him like Ten times, and the gunslinger falls backwards out the window, crashing into the ground below. Yeah, he shoots him more times, I believe, than are in the cliff the gun has. <laughs> so we should mention that the we don't see a lot of Roman worlds in action, but we, there is, like, a subplot going on in Medieval World where this, like, chubby pervert character who i really like is like trying to seduce the robot queen of medieval world and he's doing well but she wants him first to defeat the black knight like tomorrow at dawn which he agrees to do yeah which sounds like something that if you know if you go to medieval world as a dude like the ultimate uh fantasy is to seduce the queen by beating the most powerful guy in medieval world like yeah that's a package that i would buy going there that sounds really fun and you get the feeling that you don't get to see a lot of Roman world because they didn't have a set for it. They only had that one courtyard set for Roman world, so they really couldn't show more. But they had that huge actual inside a castle set for medieval world and can do more so there. But yeah, that guy is, uh, he's trying to get the queen. Really, he's trying to get everybody. Uh, the queen, Daphne, the young servant, who's uh, the blonde girl who's definitely a robot walking around. And um, when uh, later when... The big pudgy guy comes on to Daphne. Daphne turns him down, which is another thing for the technicians to be like, that is not supposed to happen. All right. all the robots are supposed to be DTF 24-7. Like, constantly. They're like, oh, you want to? Yep, I'm down. This is This is me looking at you right at a bone. Meanwhile, Peter's been taken to jail for murdering the gunslinger. Which to me at first felt stupid. Like, it felt like he's paying for this vacation. Why would you put him in jail? And then as the uh, events unfolded where um, John Blaine gives something uh, to uh, uh, this woman who brings Peter um, the lunch that he gets. And inside that lunch is obviously something that is an explosive. Did you see what it was that he gave her? No, nah, I just assume it's got to be a stick of dynamite. Okay, right? yeah, some some sort of explosive that gets that like gets past the inspection of the the invalid running the jail and then uh, blows out the back wall of the jail for Peter and, and John to escape. A daring prison escape, something that'd be really fun to do while on vacation in Westworld. To which then I like I became way less cynical in that moment of like, why would you put him in? The, it's vacation. What you put him in jail for on vacation? Like, And then that happened, I was like, right, you have to inconvenience customers in the way that they would actually be inconvenienced in the West. Uh, I guess, like, the way you'd assume they'd be inconvenienced in the West based on what we know of it. And then, break them out of jail in a super cool way! Yeah, that was a fun moment. The whole dynamiting the wall thing seemed kind of unnecessary, because... Because then John shoots the guy guarding the jail anyway, so yeah, that seemed mean of him. that guy was just wanted him to stay in jail. That's all he wanted, so the two of them ride off into the desert, like sit beneath uh some the plateau, yeah, they were just rocks, they The large standing rocks, yeah, they're they're leaning against rock formation drinking some whiskey and just talking about how much of an awesome time they're having and i think at this point peter like thanks john for dragging him here right at which point they both see a rattlesnake and my exact words out loud were oh hey look a snake can snakes bite you when you're in westworld i feel like they shouldn't be able to bite you when you're in west like if the snakes could bite you while you were in westworld that wouldn't be very fun for the customer. oh oh he bit him he because the snake the rattlesnake actually bites john blaine to which he gets off of uh he finally like shakes the snake off and then they try to shoot the snake about 50 times before they actually do so and uh john blaine says something telling which is that's not supposed to happen yeah and back in the control room the technicians are like uh are snakes biting guests now are, are we are, Did we clear that but, yeah. they're all smoking they basically should be saying hold on to your butts like it's the same thing of sam jackson being like oh no newman and sam jackson could have been in this control room just like they were in jurassic park and it would have been the same exact reaction of like oh god so they're a little bit worried they decide to just take all the snakes out of western world And they say, like, yeah, we're going to have to shut down the park for some time, but we don't want to make this a publicity nightmare. Let's finish this cycle of guests, and then we won't take any more reservations until we've got this sorted out. Which is, it's a a moderately responsible plan, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I like, as, like, as someone trying to uh, keep a revenue, it sounds like the exact plan that's, like, a good one. Don't scare the people currently in the park. And don't make them leave and then tell the outside outlets that, who are like waiting outside for you when you get there to apparently all the time to, to ask you questions about how good it was. Um, just let them finish their thing and then get on out of here. And then the guy at the end literally says like, we can ensure their safety. Everything's fine. And the moment he said that, I was like, those are some famous last words, I bet. And, so, and then they cut to, um, I believe, a dinner in medieval world where fat pudgy man that you enjoy is eating and then kind of looks across the way to see the black knight with his with his daring beard and the uh the fat pudgy man gives him like a hey man, what's going on? And Black Knight looks back at him as to say, I'm definitely gonna kill you. Um and then we port back to Westworld, where there is um something that we all need in a Western, which is a slow motion bar fight where people get uh, bottles broken over their heads and smashed through uh, glass windows set to Western-style Benny Hill music. Yeah, and uh, sometime during all of this, the nerdy dude whose wife went to Roman world, he declares himself the new sheriff of Western world, and when he shows up to try to break up the brawl, I think he just gets like a chair thrown at him immediately, and he gives up trying to to stop everybody. Yeah, he gets smashed to the ground. And And I love the way... In the tech room, uh, you can hear the uh, the phone conversation about, like, the customer service for that guy. And, he's, and the guy in the tech room is like, yeah, he can be sheriff anytime he wants. Just give him the badge, whatever. Here's a question. So let's say you and me, we're both in Western world, huh? Mm-hmm. You decide you want to be sheriff, but uh, I'm like, well, no, I want to be sheriff. Right, yeah. Like, how Because I assume that being sheriff in Westworld is something that a lot of the guests say they want to do. Being a sheriff in an old western town sounds really great when you can't die. So, uh, are there two towns? Do they have multiple sets where people can be multiple sheriffs at the same time? Or is it only one town where you literally have to take turns? Because if I'm paying $1,000 a night, taking turns is not something I'm totally down with. Yeah, I mean, I pay just as much money as you. My fantasy is to be the sheriff. Why should I have to sit around and watch someone else do my fantasy when I'm paying, you know? So really, that's the biggest plot hole in this movie, that James and I want to be sheriff simultaneously, and we're real mad about it. But, in case, it's not really important. Don't bother worrying about it. Or, it's the most important thing we've talked about so far. So the next morning, everyone's kind of, you know, stumbling around, waking up from their drunk debauchery uh Peter and John both fell asleep, like in the middle of the wrecked Bordello. And Chubby Medieval World guy is just stumbling around the throne room looking for something to, to chow down on. And the Black Knight appears wanting to duel him, like they had scheduled. And the fat guy's like, Oh, come on, man. Can we do this another time? I- I'm really hungry. Yeah, robots love attacking in the morning, right when they get turned on. They're, they're ha- I guess the virus has spread so much that the moment these robots get turned on, they're like, okay, our job is to actually kill that guy, ready, go. And then we go back to the tech room where a uh, technician who's eat, who very badly wants cinnamon toast, I don't know why, but they had a, him, you can see or, earlier in the movie, this tech had a conversation where he was like, do you have cinnamon toast? I really want cinnamon toast. That's the guy, cinnamon toast guy was the is the guy watching the monitor, um, and about to see slash seeing the black knight, uh, attacking the fat pudgy guy who just wants to eat breakfast. And over time you get the feeling that the black knight's going harder than he should. Yeah, it it there comes to a certain point where the the fat medieval world guy like isn't having fun anymore and he's starting to look pretty stressed. But I'm sure in the back of my of his mind he's thinking, Okay, well this is just LARPing you know we'll just have a prolonged fight and eventually i'll come out on top right that's that's why i'm here but at the same time the queen is like on the steps watching this altercation happen with no emotion on her face whatsoever so that has to be disconcerting and then over time uh i mean at one point fat pudgy um smashes uh the black knight's sword out of his hand and then just lets the black knight pick up the sword like why why would you let okay why because, I mean, the only reason why you would let the Black Knight pick up your his sword right there is you truly believe that you're not going to die. Because why would you? This is a world where that can't happen. And then eventually, <laughs> it all goes badly. Maybe the character that that guest is roleplaying, like, is, is lawful good and he doesn't want to just, like, strike down the Black Knight in cold blood, you know? Right, more so than that, I think it's just, like, the guy or fat pudgy is still very hungry and not thinking straight which doesn't help which doesn't help him when his uh his shield gets thrown and his sword gets thrown and then he subsequently gets stabbed through the stomach to which the tech guys are like oh no oh we're all fired <laughs> yeah like the moment that happens everyone's like well this thing's this thing's done wrap it up everybody They start to say, like, shut down the park, shut down everything, turn off the emergency power, which I think they attempt to do, but it doesn't actually shut down the park. It, like, shuts down their capabilities in the catacombs, and it locks them in so they can't get out. And then all the robots have battery power, apparently, something that has not been said prior to this moment in the movie. They're like, oh no, even if we do shut down the power, they have, like, a 12-hour battery life, and they'll just be online for 12 hours, no matter what. And then also, we just shut down the the electricity to the park, and now the door out of this room is closed. And we have, and if it, you know, we don't get out of it or figure out a way, we'll all just suffocate and die. Yeah, but we got another kind of like, you know, uh, rhyme with Jurassic Park in that. Oh, everything's going fine, and then we lose power, and then the attractions go berserk, and chaos just breaks out through all three parks. I don't think we see anything else happen in medieval world, but apparently there's robots going berserk in Roman world, killing everyone. The they're scene. just stabbing everybody, which is, you know, what I assumed Roman world was going to be in the first place. Yeah, but it seems to be like the slaves are stabbing the masters, and obviously none of the guests came to be slaves, so they're all dressed as masters too. It seems like they're having a Spartacus revolt in Roman world, which makes me think that all this chaos is contextual now. I, I mean, I guess, like, uh, contextual in the way of, like, all the robots are very specifically stabbing all the people, and, or, but I yeah, think the robots are still LARPing, basically. Yeah, they think what they're doing is what there should be happening, which is keeping it as realistic as possible by really stabbing everybody. But after that, we port back to Westworld, where uh, John and Peter are walking through the street. After this, they are both very hungover. Both of them have said something to the effect of, I'm never going to drink again. And then as they're walking through the street, you see Yul Brynner's gunslinger back and better than ever because uh, it was shown uh, recently prior to this scene that he just got new infrared vision uh, and an upgrade because what would you want to do to one of the uh, worst killer robots that you have upgrade him prior to the climax of the movie um and then uh their response was very much like the same response of fat and pudgy who just got stabbed which was it's the morning can we just not do this right now to which uh yul brenner does something that cut like catches me by surprise a hundred percent i was a hundred percent surprised by this which it doesn't happen to me in movies often the thing that happens is that the gunslinger shoots the cool guy. The cool guy gets shot twice. Yeah. That doesn't felt, happen in movies. I felt bad because, like, John was like, Oh, don't worry, Peter. I'll handle it. Just you're, you're more hungover than me. Just chill out over there. And he's like, Okay, what, what? Should we draw on three or whatever? And then the gunslinger just blows him away. Yeah, and John Blaine says a great line, which is I'm shot. I've been shot and Pete really has no time to take in the fact that his best friend is dead and now has to run away from the gunslinger who is now chasing him um to which point i looked at how much time was left on the movie and i was like there's only a half hour left on this movie it moves the pace of this movie is very quick i got to the uh to the third act and i didn't even know, know i was there but it was at this point where we start to have a chase because uh let's see Peter gets on his horse and then Yule Brenner walks into a like a side road that we don't get to see and then comes out on his horse like Yule Brenner doesn't know how to get on a horse or something and had to do a cut in the middle there because he doesn't know how to get on a horse. <laughs> like I think that's like they, like I don't know if that happened. That's what I feel happened. And then they kind of uh both ride out to where John Blaine got bit by the rattlesnake earlier, at which point you see the gunslinger using his new infrared vision to shoot not well enough to hit Peter but pretty close to him you'd think he'd be a better shot with infrared vision and being a robot but he's apparently not because you can't he suffered a bit from bad guy syndrome where when he could be running he was walking very slowly and when he had an open shot he didn't hit it almost ever which I mean if he did hit it or was running I guess the end of this movie would be shorter But still. It's a long chase scene which ends up uh Peter finding a river that he crosses going into Western world. you know the way you know it's Western world is that there are two spires with like Julius Caesar on the top of them crumpled you mean over Roman world yeah, Roman world, what was I saying Western world well sure, <laughs> and then um and he goes into there where he then uh finds the courtyard where everyone's been stabbed. He finds a well that has a ladder in it, and uh, the ladder takes him down into the catacombs where all of the technicians were, or I guess are, slash were. Yeah, they've all kind of suffocated, I guess, because the ventilation system's not working Right, in an an hour, which, that would take longer. That would take much longer, but okay. Yeah, come on, Dr. Crichton. Get your back straight. (laughs) Know what a doctor should know. We should mention that Yul Brenner is like owning these scenes. He looks so scary. He's, I mean, he's the star of the movie. Absolutely like uh he has the best bad guy face. One of the best bad guy faces I've ever seen. Like top 5 all-time bad guy faces for sure. Yeah, and I think he he mostly gets top billing for Westworld. I mean, he's on most of the posters. The uh the most of the pictures are of him with his face slightly removed because you know, he's a robot. But one of my favorite things about this movie, slash one of my least favorite things, like simultaneously my least and my least favorite and favorite thing, is that I was waiting for a monologue. I was waiting for Yul Brenner's robot to have like a monologue explaining why the robots are doing this and what the world is about to be like now that this has happened, and um, it never comes. It never actually happens where the bad guy says why any of this is happening because. And then at the end, I actually liked it more because I was like, he's a robot. He wouldn't have a monologue. This is just what he's programmed to do. Which makes me think that it is kind of contextual violence because the gunslinger just hates Peter for having shot him a few times and just kind of wants his own personal revenge. So Peter comes up with a pretty good plan. There's a bunch of like robots lying on stretchers in like diagnostician mode or whatever and the gunslinger kind of just walks by him not noticing but then he goes oh wait a second turns to like grab peter when peter does, acid splash and yeah s- so prior to that uh, you, you john blaine explains or somebody explains to peter like there's only really two ways to take out this kind of oh wait no as he, he runs he's into a check chased... yeah yeah Yeah, as he's being chased through the desert and before he gets to roman world and before he goes into the well there's a technician out in the desert who's just like there's really only two ways to take care of these is for their battery to run out or acid or something i don't know like that's a, a completely foreign concept or something that won't be able to be found and then as peter's running away that technician gets shot by uh the gunslinger who apparently now has a great uh shot from long distance and didn't before and doesn't after um and then he when uh peter's running through the catacombs he sees a few things one he looks into the technician's room to see all of them suffocated which you're like okay all of those cinnamon toast is dead main (laughs) techni, um made head technician guy is dead only Uh, black guy only black guy dead and then uh Peter keeps running through the catacombs which uh, like is actually a maze which why would you why would any architect make a maze at? it feels it feels inefficient and then eventually Peter gets to where all of the robots are being fixed and just happens to, to get to the table at the end of the hallway where there's just like the table's just full of acid thankfully um and then as you said he pretends to be dead you Brenner like this gunslinger walks right by him and then turns around quickly because you know he's a robot and can tell what has body heat and what can't To at which point uh peter just throws acid in his face like uh dale gribble throws sand in people's faces right which kind of melts off his face skin and damages his fake eyeballs but because he's got infrared now he can't like make out fine details but he can still see like the glowing visage of peter as he runs away so you know he's he's a little damaged now but he's really not that much worse for the wear yeah i mean i <laughs> as his face is like a little melty it's not as melty as you'd think it'd be actually as uh as pete was going through um rome and west world and then eventually to medieval world all i could think is Pete just flew in from both Rome and Westworld, and boy are his legs tired. Like, he's just going from place to place. But but right before that the gunslinger finds him in the catacombs, he starts running. The gunslinger runs for a short moment. Yeah, which proves, he, got, he got bored. Yeah, which proves that he can run and just hasn't been this entire time. Because he is suffering from bad guy syndrome where you both can't run and can't shoot straight still but uh, and then in in this moment when um pete is totally a trickster and he's lying down dead and then he finally kind of gets away and uh eventually gets to medieval world i had a thought of like also john's still dead what world do we live in john blaine is dead i don't even want to be alive when he arrives at Medieval World, though, we notice a lot of the robots have shut down, or they've run out of their, like, their auxiliary power. Right, I guess maybe... a, he said 12 hours, and it has not been 12 hours, so I don't get it. Also, like, the gunslinger is fine. Maybe he just got a new lithium battery or something. That was completely not talked about, and none of this makes sense, but okay. The gunslinger catches up to him in the throne room, but... Peter sort of works out that since his sight is now based on infrared, that if he stands next to the torches, which are lighting the throne room, he can kind of become temporarily invisible. Yeah, and then that works out right up until Pete, in a moment of life and death, makes a large mistake by making a giant noise, which lets the gunslinger know where he is, to which I, like, my exact thought was like, don't make noises, Pete that's what dumb people do yeah, he heaves a you. huge sigh of relief he's like <sighs> oh, thank god and, and both of our sires of relief are going to pop in that in that moment but i want to <laughs> keep them and i'm sorry for everybody's ears but like he can't see you what should you do maybe be quiet idiot but this is exactly like you know I, michael Crichton really loved this scene he's like i'm gonna do this again in my dinosaur movie I honestly don't think he did like this like he he shot an entire sword fight between uh the gunslinger and Pete like what was supposed to happen at the end is they were actually supposed to do a sword fight and then at the end Michael Crichton was editing it and was like it just looks goofy and dumb so he kept the one where uh Peter just lights him on fire but I mean like you know tries to light him on fire he acids him he lights him on fire what more bad things can you do to a robot you know. Yeah, he hits him with the torch, and the gunslinger just goes up immediately. Like, I don't know a lot about acid. Is it flammable? Because he he blows up like a firecracker when that torch hits him. I don't know anything about science, but I'm going to say acid is flammable. It might not be, but I feel in my bones that it might be. So it kind of seems like the gunslinger's been dealt with. Peter's still, like, going through the castle. I guess he's probably, as you said, like, absorbing the death of his friend and all the insane chaos that's happening here. He comes across a girl chained up in the dungeon. who's like, help me, help me. So he goes to her jail cell to let her out. This is kind of a creepy moment here where she seems like she's suffering. So he goes over to give her some water and she's like, no, no water. And he, he like a jerk. He, like, forces it into her mouth. Yeah she sparks it explodes because she's a robot she, lady she said no water pete she said those words to you no water and then you thinking you know better put a bunch of water in her face and she explodes which begs the question does that happen to all the robots is that the reason the gunslinger saw the river earlier when he was going into Westworld world our river um, roman world and was like no thank you river Like, do they know that, uh, they apparently know, the robots know that water kills them, which is interesting in itself. Right, so they must know they're robots. Yeah. Uh, This is is getting really confusing, Michael. It is. You know what I think it is? Just plot holes that don't actually mean anything. (laughs) We get a really good jump scare, actually, where, like, the charred, blackened, horrible gunslinger actually, like, catches up with Peter for a second and tries to grab him but then finally yeah. falls over dead. We get basically the two main pictures that you're supposed to take away from Westworld the movie, which is uh Yul Brynner's gunslinger all charred up in the face and then Yul brenner's gunslinger uh with his face like once removed before he falls over dead. And uh which subsequently leads Peter to kind of just sit back, I think look into the camera. It kind of looks like he looks into the camera to me what it meant to me was that pete was accepting his own fate because really what you feel in this moment is that everybody who was in all three of these worlds is now dead except for pete including all the technicians in the catacombs so how is he going to get out he probably doesn't have a way to get out he doesn't he hadn't find one yet so maybe he just sits in the catacombs until he dies Right, I mean, hopefully FEMA's gonna come to Delos Island and save him, but it's left open-ended. He sits down on the steps in the castle, and he reflects back on the commercial, and he hears a ringing in his head, boy, have we got a vacation for you, boy, have we got a vacation for you, boy, have we got a vacation It's very cheesy 1970s Ooh, well, ending. <laughs> it's a book ending, I I'm a fan of book ending, so I feel like it's <laughs> fine. But yeah, cut to credits, and that's the end. End on kind of a on a sour note, huh? Kind a downer. I'm a huge fan of movies that end on downers. Uh, I don't I don't think movies are have to be here to just make you feel better. I think, um, the best movies are the ones that that make you uh, feel better, feel worse, and then make you think, which is what this uh, movie did with all of its problems that it has. Which it does. It has a lot of problems. Um with all those problems that it has it kind of gets lifted up because it has an interesting idea um at the beginning to base the entire world on and then an interesting idea at the end to leave you with plus the gunslinger is probably the model bad guy with no intention of all like of all time like I, i don't know a bad guy with almost zero intention other than That's what I'm programmed to do. I'm programmed to kill than the gunslinger that I saw. But we've got to look at this through a kind of historical lens here. I'm sure in 1973, a lot of this would have been a lot less familiar territory than it is to us in 2016. I think people were probably pretty freaked out by this. Computer technology was just kind of emerging at this time. So there's probably a lot of... uh, kind of technological panic happening for people and this probably seemed like a realistic future to them yeah i mean westworld was uh the first movie to use computer digitized images as like part of a future film it's those moments in this movie where the gunslinger is looking out of his new infrared eyes and um you can kind of see a red pixelated world that the gunslinger is seeing those took like uh it took like eight hours to produce 10 seconds of of that. So like you're, people back in 73 are, are watching a movie that is very high concept and has, uh you know, digital effects that they've never seen before. Um, when this movie came out in 73, I have a feeling it was like, you know, when the biggest blockbuster that has the newest thing, uh, like when Avatar came out in 3D and people saw it and were like, whoa, this is what a movie can be now um i think i wouldn't be surprised if westworld had that same exact feeling for the people who saw it in 73 is something you could ever see yourself watching again or is it just kind of a one and done did you like it or what so i think and it's like you just said i am a product of my time and because of that i think it is a one and done for me like i i, I honestly don't see the um the scenario in which i watched this again and it's not because it's bad i i actually did enjoy it but it was interesting because you also have to take into account that i was taking notes during the time i was watching this i was watching it within the context of i'm going to be talking about this on a podcast so like it was interesting going back and forth to just trying to watch it and take it in maybe once for every 10 minutes or 15 minutes and then i tried to watch it back again so I basically did watch this twice but in increments because I was watching it on YouTube. In fact, I was watching a clipped version on YouTube where the bottom like few inches of the of the uh of the movie are are cropped out. So there were a few things that I actually missed. It was inter- like I was trying to kind of understand what my viewing was as compared to people who saw it in theaters in 1973. Like I was watching it in a well-lit place on YouTube where The video was altered slightly so that it wouldn't uh, get flagged by YouTube's copyright. Um, And it was like put inside of a like a digitized picture of a television on YouTube. That's the way I watched it. So I was like, this is obviously a very different um, viewing experience than somebody had if they were to have just walked into a theater in 73. But I honestly believe if if I had walked into a a theater nineteen seventy three, and I had never seen something like this movie before, it would probably be one of my favorite movies I had ever seen. And now that I've seen every movie like this before, and I'm watching what is basically the uh the backbone of a lot of westerns and robot stories and AI stories, and like you get so many um little tidbits of what Jurassic Park was going to be from this movie too. Now that you get all of that context, uh, this is a really really interesting movie that i basically i think only have to see once what do you think yeah this is now the second time i've seen it uh, at least in 10 years and you know i i like but don't love it i enjoy the first and second acts a lot for me the movie kind of falls apart when you know the horror scenes start happening but i think there's a lot to enjoy here it's definitely worth a watch one time i got to say i talked to some older people before watching this again and a lot of them said like oh yeah i kind of remember Westworld. it doesn't really jump out at me though i feel like and it's all the detriment of the third act like i think the first and second act were were almost perfection uh there were obviously things that were missing because you can just tell that there were cuts in this movie but the third act suffered from first time director syndrome where um hey like it just think of the scenario which is you have never directed a movie before and now with a large budget within a large um context world like a world that that needs an hour and 15 minutes to explain it before you get to a big fight scene that uh is supposed to be the climax of the movie and then you kind of get to a fight scene that is not everything you want it to be And you kind of get the feeling that it would be better if it was being directed by someone who had directed 10 or 20 movies prior to this and are now getting here. But it felt like somebody who didn't know what they were doing was trying to make a fight scene for the last 20 minutes. And they knew the message they wanted. Like Michael Crichton, he knew the message he wanted to get out at the end of like this kind of sadness and this kind of woe is me. But I've also come to terms with the fact that this might be what the world is going to be or is now. So, like, you kind of get the like, he knows the message, and he knows, like, from a writing standpoint what he wants to convey. But because of, like, the lackluster third act, the lackluster action in the third act, basically, like, it comes down to the fight scenes sucked. Both of the last fight scenes sort of sucked, and you wanted them to be better, and you go, like, I guess I need to watch more uh, action movies from the early 70s to see fight scenes that were done uh, better because I I know there were, um. But it, this is a really fun, interesting movie that suffers from uh a crappy fight scene at the end that could have been crappier. Like uh, I know this is the second fight scene that Michael Crichton shot. He shot, like I said before, a, a sword fight that when he was editing it, he literally said and was quoted as saying, "This just looks goofy," so he didn't put it in. But I mean, either way, um. I guess in the context, bringing it back now to the new Westworld TV show, I don't know how many of the characters from this movie are going to be in the TV show. Obviously, Anthony Hopkins' character, um, Dr. Robert Ford, is more so God than anything in this world than we got in the movie. Right. Um, well, that but... That's a question I had for you. What do you want to see kept for the new Westworld, and what do you want to see done away with? I hope but suspect they will not keep Medieval World or Roman world but i I haven't i I would like to see them again. I don't think they're going to use them though I don't think they're going to use them at all. I think it would muddy the waters of something that is pretty high concept in the first place um but if they do, I don't know it would be interesting if they do maybe in later seasons have an idea of that, but um because I would like the last season of Westworld that has a huge budget to go through three different sets. Although it's tough. You can't really do Medieval World again. They just came out of Game of Thrones on HBO. I don't. I think HBO would be like, right. yeah, you can't do Medieval World. We literally just did it better than you're going to. Um, but uh, we know that they're going to keep the gunslinger. Ed Harris is literally playing a character called Gunslinger. But I believe in the new Westworld TV show, he's not a robot. He's a person who goes to create awful times do you know if that i don't know i'm not sure on that one so i'll have to i'll have to we'll have to watch and see oh yeah i didn't know but that sounds really interesting do you suspect that jimmy simpson will be playing basically a peter character yeah i think he's basically peter and then i think logan is the other one who's basically john blaine um so i mean i think we'll get like the kind of essence of those two characters but in but in different ways yeah, and it seems like we're going to get a lot more, and this is a complaint you had brought up, a lot more from the robot perspective, and we're going to learn a lot more about them. And I hope, like, let's have some well-defined rules, please, Jonathan. Exactly. Dullet. I think the it will be interesting to watch the pilot, because uh, I how they explain the rules of this world and how they lock up the plot holes that the movie had will be huge as to how this show does just to will it make logical sense because there were moments in the movie where you just kind of had to suspend disbelief because you were like that there are things there that don't make any sense whatsoever but this is pretty cool i basically uh i have one more thing to say about the film's influence one of the best episodes of the simpsons is where they go to itchy and scratchy land oh yep mm-hmm. <laughs> and the robots go berserk and they have to fight their way out, and there are so many references to Westworld. It's crazy. My favorite one—I watched the Simpsons episode immediately after I watched Westworld—is they're going through the catacombs of Itchy and Scratchy Land, and you see the technicians, and they're dressed just like the Westworld technicians around a circular table of computers. Mop and Bucket Man to the exit of the Nauseator. We have another jumper in the roof of TGM Scratchies. We need more Bort license plates in the gift shop. I repeat, we are sold out of Bort license plates. <laughs> I mean, it feels like Westworld was a movie that all the nerds in 73 really liked. Like, this is prior to... When did the first Star Wars come out? 77. Right. So this is, this is five years pre-Star Wars. And so, like, if you were a 18 to 25-year-old dude... Who oh, yeah. was this, was a total probably the shit back then, right? Huh? If you were a total nerd, like I feel like the the adults you talked to, I don't know exactly who they were, but I bet if you talked to a, a a dude who was like sixteen years old, didn't know what Star Wars was yet, and Westworld came out, I bet they thought that was the shit, and that Yul Brenner was like the best bad guy of all time, and the reason why Westworld doesn't get talked about more often, like as a movie, is because five years later, you know. The one of the best epics of all time happens, and all of those nerds who were like Westworld is pretty cool, they could then be like, "Hey, here's a movie with less plot holes and better fights." Right, and to to make the same point, ten years later you'd have Blade Runner, which basically hit on a lot of the same themes, but in a much more successful way. Yeah, Westworld was what happened prior to sci-fi as a genre becoming solidified as a true storytelling like, utopia like it's you had star wars and blade runner with, as you said in the next 10 years and west world you can see what things were the best things were taken from west world and been like okay we're not going to make the same mistakes that they did but uh you know you come back to i think the best thing about the west world movie was Yule Brenner's gunslinger was a wonderful bad guy who never once told you why he was being a bad guy which is something that never happens anymore and i feel like is not going to be the same in the tv show i feel like there's going to be a robot monologue you know what i mean like there will at some point probably at the end of the first season be a monologue from one of the robots explaining exactly how they feel and why and that's something you didn't get from this movie but, um, you know, either way, are we giving, a, like, a letter grade? I don't, I don't even know if, it, if if a letter grade makes sense I, I don't us. know if we're qualified to give a we letter aren't. grade to West We aren't. We aren't. We truly aren't qualified. All things considered, I think that watching this is a, a valuable asset to getting into the new show, and I think it'll lend us a lot of perspective for the new Westworld. Right. I don't think it's necessary, but I honestly... I mean, I would recommend, if you like sci-fi at all, I would say watch it. Just for Yul Brenner, just for, uh, just to understand what a bad guy can be when they don't have any motive whatsoever. Once again, thanks for listening. Ryan and I will be back in about a week's time with a trailer breakdown of the current Westworld trailers for 2016. If you're looking to get incredibly specific when it comes to this trailer, (laughs) you're in the right place. Nobody overthinks like we do. I'm James. And I'm Ryan, and this has been the Westworld Podcast. Beautiful. That was good. That was a good ending.